Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We appreciate you being in our presence this morning. Amen, amen, amen. While you're standing this morning for the reading of the word of the Lord, let's turn to 1 Kings chapter number 17. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord this morning. We greet you in Jesus' name today. Those that are here, those that are online, those angels that are among us, thank you for being here. We have uh, several families out on summer vacation. We have several that are out sick this morning, so we want to pray for all of them for travel mercies and healing. In Jesus' name. 1 Kings 17, beginning with verse number 1, the Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens, brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I want to do a little teaching this morning on this topic, survival skills. Survival skills. Look at your neighbor this morning. Tell him, bless you for being here today. If you don't have a neighbor, just act like you do. You may be seated. That is a courtesy, not a command. Survival skills. There are at least three types of pain that life can bring sometimes. And I'm sure the list is much larger than three, but there's, there's at least these three. And I want to focus on one of them today. But first of all, we need to seriously understand that being in church, all right, I'm not talking about being just at church, but we, I'm using air quotes here for emphasis, right? Being in church. Well, what does in church mean? Well, we typically look at in church as meaning uh, repented, baptized in Jesus' name, Holy Ghost filled. You're here when the doors is open, you're worshiping, you're living for God. That's a lifestyle. It's not an event. And that's typically what we reference as being in church because, ladies and gentlemen, there is a unique difference in being in church and being at church. And I fear that sometimes some of us is at church and we're not in church. But we need to understand today that being in church, serving God, attending services, being Holy Ghost filled and baptized in Jesus' name does not exempt us from encountering 
painful experiences in this life. I wish it did. But we need to be very careful today not to place judgment on ourselves or others that because he's going through that, he must have sinned. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. That's not my place to understand. But it, that's not an automatic indicator. Because you can be just as purified and holy as can be and still experience difficulty. The question today is, what are you going to do with your difficulty? Difficulty can bring out the best in us. Or said otherwise, difficulty can bring out the worst in us. Some people, when they face difficulty, this place, the very place they need to be, is the last place they come to. I just want to tell you, child of God, that's dangerous. If you're facing difficulty today, I can tell you as a true testimony, this is where you need to be. We don't like to talk about it much. And I, I, I realize, I don't expect anybody to shout this morning. That's okay. We don't talk about it much because, quite frankly, it can be depressing. We don't like talking about pain and difficulty but the last half of the book of Hebrews 11 is full of people who did not escape some very serious issues of life. The first half of Hebrews 11 we focus on. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We like to talk about the faith of Noah and Abraham and the fathers of the Old Testament, but we don't like to talk about Hebrews 11.36 that says, And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover bonds and imprisonments. There, He's not talking about the enemy. He's talking about people of the church. Some were stoned. Boiled in oil. Dear God have mercy. Sawn in half. That's not a magician's trick. And it is what it means it is. Killed with the sword. Wandered about being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Wandered in mountains, deserts, and caves. First half is full of the faith and the miraculous and those who received their reward. And the last half is full. 11, Hebrews 11, 39 says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Three types of life's serious pains that I'm referring to today are loss, suffering, and rejection. I can't cover them all today. I'm going to focus today on loss. Psalm 38 and 17 says, For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. In the message version, let's see if this resonates with you any this morning. In the message version it says, I'm on the edge of losing it. 
Now, I won't ask you if you've ever said it before, but I've heard people say, I just about lost it. <laughs> I may have made that statement a time or two myself. I just about lost it. The pain, the verse continues in the message version. But Zach, if you could put the KJV up just so we can follow the pattern this morning. Thank you. I'm on the edge of losing it. The pain in my gut keeps burning. Sometimes the losses we experience in this life, they not only hurt mentally and emotionally, but the emotional burden can be so heavy that it affects us physically. The NIV version says, For I am about to fall, and my pain is ever with me. Loss. What kind of loss are you talking about? Well, there's, I'm just talking about loss. But there's many types and different types of losses. Among them are losses caused by death, coping with disease, permanent disabilities, loss of job or income, losses caused by physical or geographical separation, physical or physiological loss such as related to the five senses, if you lose your sight, touch, smell, sound, and taste. There are some losses that, if I say this delicately this morning, because I've even experienced this in my current, uh, not my current season, but my current age, there are certain things that age brings about a certain amount of loss. I can't do certain things I used to could do. Or let me rephrase, because I'm, I'm, I don't have one foot in the grave, but I certainly don't, want ha don't have one foot in the nursery either. I'm kind of in the middle right now. I hope it's the middle. I hope it's not. Anyway, let me carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even if I do some things, Brother Malone, that I used to be able to do 20 years ago, my body don't recover as fast as it used to. That's a type of loss. And that can have a mental toil on you. That can bear on you, our humanity can bring about such, a, such an anxiety that if we're not careful, we'll focus more on the things we don't have rather than what's in front of us. They're common responses because loss brings pain. And there are common responses to pain that is caused by loss. Some people ignore the pain. Let me, let me add just a little, little caveat to that. Some people think they ignore the pain. Some people default to blaming others. Not my fault. It's you. Some completely withdraw. That's not that obvious if they weren't out in the open that much to begin with. But you get somebody who enjoys people and somebody who, uh, you know, is kind of maybe not, doesn't have to be the life of the party, but somebody who enjoys being around people and fellowship and, and all of a sudden they disappear every time they get a chance. That's withdrawal. That's a sign. And if we're going to rejoice when others rejoice and weep when others weep, I think we need to pay attention to the signs of our brothers and sisters around us. Yeah. 
Some withdraw. Some do all of the above. Ignore the pain, blame others, withdraw. And for some, these become the launching pad for severe anxiety and depression symptoms that can seem overwhelmingly uncontrollable and irrecoverable. Think it not strange today, church, that anxiety and depression has increased. Increased. I don't know the statistic on it, but it's increased. Multiple times over itself just in the last two and a half years. Because if your adversary, the devil, if he can distract, if he can't distract you physically, he will try to distract you mentally. Because here's the fact. He doesn't care about you coming to church. Coming to church does not bother the devil. What bothers the devil is when church gets inside of you. What bothers him is when you're at church, church is with you. He doesn't care for you coming to church as long as you're mentally checked out. As long as your idea of church is just clocking in, I showed up, what more do you want from me? He's happy. But the moment you cross the line to say, I'm going to make serving God my lifestyle. The moment you cross a line and say, I'm going to quit sitting on a pew and just staring at everybody. I'm going to worship. I'm going to clap. I'm going to lift hands. I'm going to say amen. I'm going to fall in love with the word of God. I'm going to fall in love with the spirit of God. The moment you do that, you have marked yourself for a target for your adversary. But I've come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost today that God is still God. God's still on his throne. And he's still able to... To deliver today. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. So how do we respond? How do we respond? Well, there's a song that says, this is how I fight my battles. Let me tell you what the right response is. There's a whole lot of things I don't have the right answers to. But there's some things when we open the Word of God, we can get a clear indicator what the right answer is. How do we respond? I respond to God in my worship. I still trust Him and I still believe in Him in spite of my circumstances. Now if I have to qualify that today after being a part of this church for almost 30 years, then I have failed miserably. But I'm telling you, worship is our first response today not because of my circumstances, in spite of them. I refuse to only worship God when life is down. I refuse to be that. But I also refuse to not worship God when life's not up. Our response matters. There have been times... My wife and I together have come into this church and responded in worship to God. I can guarantee you, I guarantee you, I could write you a blank check and it would be good. I can guarantee you we didn't feel like it. And I know some of you could testify to the same. It's, I'm not saying it's just us. I, I'm just using us as an example so nobody can get mad at me. 
But there's been some moments, Bishop, whenever we have responded in worship in spite of our circumstances, I'm going to give you two, two different scenarios. There's been some moments that I walked, I walked away uplifted. That worship opportunity helped change me. It helped me stop blaming others. It helped, helped change me. Bishop preached the message years ago, it's me, O oh Lord, that stands in the need of prayer. It helped change me. But I'll be honest with you. There's been some times we responded in worship, I didn't feel a single thing. And I walked away feeling the exact same way I did when I got here. But you know what it did do? It still told my enemy, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. It still told my enemy, hmm, they're being consistent. They're still trusting him. And you know what it also did? It told others, hmm, after what they're going through, they trust him. Because I need to be that type of witness. Your witness to your Christianity is not about what you say. Your witness is about what you do. It's about how you live. It is about your actions and your behavior. Now, to be clear this morning, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging and I'm not coming off on somebody this morning who's had a bad day. All right, if you're, if you're sitting there thinking, my Lord, you got to be perfect, you can't have a bad I'm not talking about not being able to have a bad day. We all have them, including this guy right here. I'm talking about what becomes your lifestyle. A bad day is a bad day. Maybe we even have a couple of them, all right? I don't know what the right number is, but it shouldn't be 30 days a month. It certainly shouldn't be 52 weeks out of the year. Somebody say amen. So our response matters. How do we respond? We need survival skills. What survival skill can we possibly lean on to pull strength from to make it another day? That's the question. And we don't say it out loud sometimes, but that's what our mind's thinking. How, oh Lord, how can I survive? How can I make it another day? Loss response number one this morning. Instead of ignoring the pain, face it with honesty. Now that can be difficult. 2 Samuel 12 and 19 says, but when David saw that his servants whispered. David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. They didn't even want to tell him. If you Bible readers understand the backdrop of this, but let me summarize just for a moment. We are, we are on the back side of the story of David and Bathsheba. We know that David sinned. He lusted after Bathsheba. He, he, he retrieved her into his bedroom. I'll let you play the script in your mind at that point. But then he not only just has an affair with her, he then has her husband killed to try to cover the affair because he can no longer cover it up just with silence and privacy because she's pregnant tries to get her husband to lay with her so that publicly it looks like it's her husband's child. He refuses because his mind's on the battle and his post. So then David has him killed. 
So now David has committed adultery and murder. That child, by Bathsheba and David, that first child, that child is the one that is being spoken of in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And the child did not live. Now, I don't care if he was conceived in sin or not. It's still a loss. Right? It's still not the child's fault. How he got there. But David, David was grieved. David mourned deeply. I believe the Bible says, and I'll put this in my own words, but something to the effect in, in prior verses that, that he, he hadn't even washed or shaved himself. He was laying on the floor. Uh, maybe in a fetal position, I'm not sure, but he was laying on the floor all unkempt and, and, and kind of nasty looking for days, grieving uh, over the potential loss of this child. I have to believe to some, some extent, now just follow me here this morning, this is Mason chapter 5 verse 32. I have to believe to some extent that David was not simply grieving the loss of the child, but grieving the guilt that he felt over the idea that the loss of the child was because of his sin. So allow me to address something here on the topic of responding to pain by facing it honestly. Allow me to address something here for just a moment. There are people that come into the church. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're online with us today or another day following this. But there are people who come to God that struggle to, to develop their walk with God because they simply cannot forgive themselves over wrongs and sins that they have committed in the past. I have had people tell me, oh, but you just don't know what I've done. You don't know, you just don't under, they almost say it with, with a sense of pride, but you just don't really understand how far into sin I've been. So allow me to tell you this morning and remind you that when I turn to the New Testament and I see the writings of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the resurrection that followed three days later, I see nothing about His blood and His grace and His covering being optional. I see nothing in the Bible that says he will cover you and you, but oh, you went too far so he's not covering you. If God Almighty has the power to forgive you in the deepest depths of your sin, then God has the ability to heal you and allow you to forgive yourself. <coughs> Somebody say amen. Lost response number two. Instead, instead of blaming, Lord help me today, this is a big one. <clears throat> instead of blaming, I will trust God. Because here's, here's what I have learned. Let me, let me tell you something I've learned. And... Maybe there exists the opportunity that this was just a lesson from God to me and it doesn't apply to you. And if so, just 
Give me a good old smile and a nod, and we'll, we'll head to lunch soon enough. Let me tell you something I have learned. Even when I am facing circumstances of which I can legitimately blame someone else, God's still in control. Let me me say it just a little bit clearer. Even when I can legitimately blame someone else, God may still be working through them for what feels for my wrong right now, but may be for my better later. So before I go any further, let me, let me stop and tell you what I'm not saying. When I say, instead of blaming, trust God. We have a tendency sometimes to just say, ah, oh, just trust God. Just trust God. As though it's really that easy. It it is easy to trust God because he's always proven himself. It's not that easy to let go of everything else in order to give unconditional trust. It's us that gets in the way. So what I'm not saying today is that if you are experiencing the pain of loss, that the only thing you have to do is trust God. That's not what I'm saying. Because depending on the level of pain and anxiety and depression that you could be experiencing, you may need to seek the assistance of a professional. And I will tell you flat-footed standing behind a pulpit today that that's okay. I realize in some circles that's taboo and we don't like to talk about it and we certainly think it's wrong to say it out loud, but allow me to say it again. If you need to seek professional assistance for your mental state of health, I'm telling you today that that's okay. Well, how do you justify that? Well, if, if you'll go to the doctor for a heart attack, and still say that you're trusting God at the same time. There's no difference. And the reason why some people are experiencing such deep level anxiety and depression is because somewhere in society and church throughout the decades and years, we have convinced ourselves that we don't trust God if we go seek help from a counselor. Oh, I can't believe they went and saw a counselor. Well, I can't believe you went and saw a doctor. I mean, if we get real with one another for just a moment, there is no difference. So, that's not what I'm saying. I just want to to clear that up here. 2 Samuel 12, verse 20, continuing on with our story of David. After they told David that the child was dead, then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord, watch it now, and worshipped. His baby just died. And David gets up, takes a bath, puts anointing oil on himself, Changes his clothes and goes to church and worships. 
We could stop right now, say amen, and go to lunch and say we've learned something. Because I've learned something. I learned something just by reading that verse, and that is in spite of our difficulties. This is destination number one. Because there's something that happens when I get to the house of God. Now, I may still leave here with problems. But what has happened is by coming to the house of God in spite of my problems, I have proven to my enemy where my devotion lies. And I have not allowed the, the, the interruptions of this life to separate me from God. Because here's what happens. You could repeat the script very clearly today. If you are going through, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. You've, some of you have seen it too. Going through, well, I tell you what, brother, we, we've really been missing you at church. Yeah, I'm just going through something. I don't care what you convince yourself this morning. You are not going to talk to God as plainly and clearly at home as you are at church. It's just not going to happen. You're going to get distracted by this life. You're going to get distracted by the Job's comforters in your family and your friend circle. Oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this. And they're going to pat you on the back and they're going to tell you how wrong everybody else is and how right you are. Let me be blunt with you this morning. Sometimes I don't need somebody to tell me I'm right. Because I'm not right in every situation I go through. And even when I go through things that aren't my fault, I'm not always right with my perspective. I don't always see it the right way. I sometimes get it wrong. I need to be in the house of God so I can allow His Spirit to change me, to move on my behavior, to modify my perspective, to show me by the Word and by His power through worship that I'm not always right and I might just need to forgive somebody. I'm not going to get that sitting at home on the front porch crying over my milk and allowing you an opportunity to tell me how right I am. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get an inflated, bruised ego. I'm going to continue to not come to church. I'm going to continue to distance myself from God. And six weeks later, I won't even know who God is. I won't be reading His Word. And I'll be backslid on God wondering what happened. I'm telling you today, if you're going through something, stay in church. Get to the house of God. No, it might not solve every problem I've got in life, but it helps me deal with my problems. It helps me deal with my adversary. It helps me deal with myself. And notice in verse number 20, David didn't just go to the house of God. This is important. This is a pattern for us. It's important. They wouldn't have put it there if it wasn't. David came into the house of the Lord, verse number 20 of 2 Samuel, verse 12, and worshipped. We beat worship over the head all the time because some of us not getting the message. And we need to get the message. I don't just come to church to clock in and show my face. 
I'm worried more about my eternity than I am whether or not you know I'm here or I'm not. I come to church for God. I don't come to show you what color socks I've got on and whether they match my tie or not. They will, but I didn't come to show you that. I came so that I can check in with God and worship his name because that is the reason for my existence is to worship and magnify the name of the Lord. So that's a lesson for us there. Then he came to his own house. When he required, they set bread before him and he did eat. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5 says, Trust in the Lord sometimes. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not to thine own understanding. Lord, have mercy on verse number five for us. How many times do we say, oh, I trust him, but we're still leaning on what we think. And there's a tug of war between my trust for God and my ideas. There can be a tug of war between my trust for God and my devotion to what I think. Or my concern for what everybody else thinks. Because some people don't worship because they're worried about what somebody else will think about them. It's about him. Verse 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Response number three. Instead of withdrawing, I will share my pain. Just think about that for a moment. Some of us don't like to talk about our pain. But your pain, your victory, your deliverance through situations and circumstances can be a light and an encouragement to someone else. I get uplifted. Now, if I'm wrong, just pray for me. But I get uplifted when I hear somebody tell a story of what God has brought them through. Sometimes I realize I didn't have it so bad to start with. But I still had it. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 24. And David comforted. Bathsheba, his wife, and went in unto her. Now this, this, this tiny little verse covers about a nine or ten month span. All right. He comforted his wife, then he went into her and he lay with her and she bare a son. And they called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved David, this is the first time in the last few verses we've heard Bathsheba mentioned because all the attention was on David. David was mourning. David was this. David was that. But Bathsheba lost a son too, or a child. And from a physiological connection, perhaps even more so than David. 
She had a loss. Her husband comforted her before the intimacy. He comforted her. They shared their pain. This is why we need to talk about it, because talking about it allows us to have a emotional and physiological release. All right, I'm talking to all you folks that like to ignore it and bottle it up and say I'm all right even when you're not. <clears throat> and before you feel like I'm judging you harshly, I'm standing in the circle with you because my, my native response to how you're doing is I'm fine. Even when I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying we should tell everybody, Right? I told y'all the story years ago how I, I, stopped, I stopped shaking hands and asking how you doing before church because some people will tell you. <laughs> and then I got to go pray again before church starts. <clears throat> but our common response can be, I'm fine. I've got the mask on. I've got the facade on. I'm, I'm not letting you pass the wall. But we need to find someone. Yeah, we need to tell God. I'm not discrediting that, but we need to find someone to bear our burdens to. It's Bible. Bear ye one another's burdens. Look it up. It's a scripture. It's good. But how do we do that? Through sharing, through talking. You need to find you somebody, whether it's a Christian counselor, pastor, somebody that you can talk to to release the things that are inside of you. And here's why. Because it's healthy to do so. It's like a medicine. It's, a, it's an emotional and physiological release. Sometimes just talking about your problem brings healing. <clears throat> so it's important. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2 says, here we are. I wasn't even looking at my notes, and here we are. Bear ye one another's burdens. So if you want to know where it is, it's in Galatians 6 and 2. One another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want to read this to you also in the message version. It says, <clears throat> stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. Philippians 3 and verse number 7 says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Also in the message version, let's hear this. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ. Sometimes what we think is important is insignificant compared to our relationship with Him. 
Healing from loss is a process. The responses that I've covered with you this morning, they will not guarantee a fast recovery. They may not even guarantee a full recovery. But I can tell you this, ignoring pain will only help temporarily. Blaming others only provides a moment of satisfaction and it can damage relationships. Withdrawing will most definitely hurt you more than it will anybody else. No man is an island to himself. We need each other. Whether you feel that way or not, it, it is a fact. We, we need each other. So in your waiting and in your trusting God, <clears throat> face your situation with honesty. Don't blame others, but turn your trust and attention to God. Share your pain. The vulnerability of sharing can provide a release for accepting and processing the pain. The mind needs to process just as much as the emotions. It's okay to be where you're at. All right? We need to give ourselves permission to feel the way we feel sometimes. It's okay to be where you're at. Just don't put up a mailbox. Don't set an address and plan on staying there. It's a season. It's a chapter. Make it as small of a chapter as you can, but it's a chapter. You will close this chapter and move on. So I want to return, in closing this morning, I want to return our attention to our scripture text this morning. God instructed Elijah where to go and how to sustain him on his journey as he would pass by the brook Cherith. And God further said that he would instruct ravens to feed him there. Now, I thought about this several weeks ago now. I thought, why, why a raven? Because when I think of a raven, it's not the most attractive bird that I can think of to think that I would, I would want to get help from. Now, I realize Elijah didn't really have a, have a say in the matter. Ravens? Really, God? Why? So I did a little bit of research on the raven. And he's just as nasty as you think he is. All right? The raven, his basic diet, because remember the raven brought flesh. All right, I just want to leave that with you before lunchtime today, okay? The raven's basic diet consisted of or consists of trash. They're a scavenger. A raven will basically, it's like a goat with wings. It'll basically eat anything it can get his hands on or his beak on. They work on carcasses of mice, baby turtles, lizards, frogs, <clears throat> nestlings from other birds, fish, meat, raw or cooked. It's raven sushi. Fruit, seeds, decaying flesh, and insects. That's a pretty appealing appetite right about an hour before lunchtime on a Sunday. <clears throat> That's what the raven eats. The raven is the one who brought flesh to Elijah. Now, if I'm traveling and depending on God to provide my next meal, probably not thinking of a list of highly questionable foods that an air scavenger is going to bring me. Yet the Bible says that he brought bread, 
thank God for the bread, brought bread and flesh in the morning. The Bible doesn't detail the flesh. So just let that sit in for a second. We don't know what kind of flesh the raven brought Elijah. It could have been something from his scavenger diet. It could have been fresh, clean meat by the miraculous hand of God. It could have been. I don't know that it was. Either way, the raven is an unlikely source to receive sustenance from. Yet God instructed the raven, and because of Elijah's obedience and trust in God, he was sustained through the support of this unlikely scavenger bird. Our way out of our circumstances doesn't always look like we want it to. Our way of life sustainment and making it through our circumstances doesn't always look like we want it to or expect it to. Sometimes God sustains us in ways we didn't expect. Like getting our meals from a bird and we don't know where he got the meat. Sometimes we think, I'll never do that. That's, that's just not my way. Nah, I'll be fine. But the hand of God can be seen through the process of trust and obedience. Because truly there are survival skills laid out for us in the word of God. And it's not about our muscle. It's not about our ability to hunt and find meat. It's about trust and obedience. So I ask you rhetorically this morning, how much do you trust your God and how well do you obey him? Stand with me today <clears throat> as we close this morning. It can seem nearly impossible to imagine that the hand of God can be seen in our pain. When we're going through pain, it can seem so difficult to think that God intends this for your good. But when we allow him to be the architect of our life, and ultimately surrender to his construction process, including the wins and the losses, God is still able to deliver. It's as the song says, for it's through the fire, my weakness, not my brother's weakness, my weakness is made strong. We'd be better off sometimes if we would just close our eyes from everything around us. And just say, God, it's me that stands in the need of prayer. I wonder if you'd just lift your hands with me right now and surrender to him in a season of worship. And just go ahead and feel free to tell him today, God, I, I need you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.